Good evening. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. Uh, we're certainly glad to have those of you that are in the audito auditorium tonight. We're also glad to have all of you who are joining us on social media. I have a few announcements before we get started. I know Ken has been talking about this event and it finally occurred. Uh, congratulations to Ken and Anita Forrest on the birth of their first grandchild. Millie Frey Wigington was born to Kyle and Casey Monday. She weighed nine pounds, three ounces, and was 21 and a half inches long. There is a, a small picture of her in the church bulletin if you'd like to see that. And if you'd like to send congratulatory notes, I think that might be appropriate. I was told that Jerry Ligon successfully uh, completed his second cataract surgery. I also found out that Steve Barnett's uh, mother, Cindy Barnett, had a heart attack Monday. Uh, she has had a stent and is doing well. She's in the Magnolia Hospital and expected to go home tomorrow. And I know Brother Levi Sweeney had surgery for a broken arm and Turner Foster had a broken collarbone. And we've had two families with deaths. Uh, Carolyn Perigo lost her, her son, J.R., um, and Philip Coates lost his brother. I think that's Becky Johnson's first cousin also. His name was Lynn Coates, and so our sympathy is extended to them. Would you bow with me, please, as we begin tonight? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your blessings. We're thankful that we can pause in the middle of this week to study your word, and we pray that your blessings would be with the class tonight as we study about Judas's carrot. We pray that you would be with all of those that we've mentioned as being sick or having surgery. We pray your special care to be with them, and we pray your comfort to be with the Perigo family and with the Coates family in their loss. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We have, let me see. I'm going to walk around, so I think I'm going to get a microphone here. child and in his absence we're going to do a, a special class you know in our annex class on Sunday night we are studying about lessons learned from significant Bible characters and so I will schedule later in the year to do a lesson on Judas Iscariot so we're just moving that lesson from the annex to this class tonight and so our focus is going to be on lessons learned from Judas's carrot. When you think about that term, 
Judas. It means the praised one. That was a common name uh, during New Testament times. I don't know if you've ever thought about how many people in the New Testament have that particular name. Even Jesus' family. One of his half-brothers was named Judas. There in Matthew 13, verse 55, Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And when you look at the apostles, there were not one, but two apostles who were named Judas. You had Judas, the son of James, He's also called Thaddeus over in, in Mark. And then in the listing there in Luke, the sixth chapter, you can see the last two, Judas the son of James and Judas Iscariot, who also became a traitor. And then you may remember when Saul of Tarsus was blinded on the road to Damascus and Ananias was talked to, he was told to go and inquire at the house of Judas. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us very much else about who this Judas was, but once again, it was a common name during this period of time. And then there was Judas, who was also named Barsabas, who was sent from the church in Jerusalem, along with Silas, to the church in Antioch. You'll remember that they had a big conference in Jerusalem about how to deal with these Gentile Christians. Do they need to be circumcised? Do they need to go back and follow the old law? And when they wrote the letter describing what they needed to do, this Judas was picked with the group to go back to Antioch. So which Judas? It is surprising, it was surprising to me as I was studying this to see how many times the gospel writers used descriptive phrases to make sure we didn't get confused about which Judas they were talking about. When they were writing about Judas's chariot, they wanted us to know for sure that it was Judas's chariot. Matthew used terms like who betrayed him a couple of times, his betrayer one time, and one of the twelve, and you're going to see that's sort of a common thing, one of the twelve, as we look at these gospel writers. Mark said, who also betrayed him once, and then twice he identified Judas as one of the twelve. Luke said, in speaking of Judas Iscariot, who also became a traitor, numbered among the twelve, one of the twelve. And John rather extensively in his discussion of Judas, said he would betray him, one of the twelve, had the money box, who betrayed him. And then in John, the twelfth chapter, verses five and six, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this later, he said, or Judas said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the money box. And he used to take what was put in it. So, think about this. You know, there is no doubt that Judas's chariot was one of the twelve apostles. We've seen that from all of these descriptions. 
when you look at the list of the apostles, the one in uh, Matthew the 10th chapter has Judas Iscariot listed last, and the context shows that this is where Jesus was sent out, sent these apostles out to preach. In the list in uh, Luke the 6th chapter, once again, Judas Iscariot is listed last, and, and the context has the apostles listening to one of Jesus' sermons. And then in Mark the 3rd chapter, uh, Judas Iscariot once again is listed last. I don't know if it's significant that he was listed last, but in all of these cases, he's the last one that they talk about. And he saw that Jesus was loved by the multitude. Judas' carrot could perform miracles. As a matter of fact, it said he was given authority over unclean spirits and to heal diseases in Mark the third chapter and verse 15. Uh, he was given the ability to speak with new tongues in Mark the 16th chapter and verse 17. And he had authority over demons and healing and, and the miraculous ability to preach the gospel, as we find in Luke the ninth chapter. I want you to just think about the experience that Judas Iscariot had. He obviously listened to Jesus' teaching during the three years that he was with him. He saw Jesus do many miracles. Um, he had his feet washed by Jesus at the Last Supper. And he was there when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. Now you might think he left before the supper looking at John's account, but when you look at other accounts, you can see for sure that he was there. And like Peter, Judas Iscariot experienced some chastisement from Jesus as well. Now, he probably knew that Jesus had been protected by God. Even as a child, you'll remember that the angel came and told Joseph about the danger that, he, that Herod wanted to kill him, and they escaped and went, went to Egypt. And certainly, that would be one of the things that the apostles would know about. He had actually seen Jesus miraculously escape uh, at Nazareth, and he had also seen him escape one time at the temple. In Luke, the fourth chapter, and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill, this is talking about Jesus, whereupon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong, and he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. I'm showing you this onto the possibility, you know, just given... Judas's carrot, the benefit of the doubt. You know, he had seen, he knew that God had protected him as a child, and here he's seen him escape from almost certain death back in, in Nazareth, and also one time in the temple in John the 10th chapter. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him, and then later on in verse 39, but he escaped out of their hands. Yet, Jesus said that he was going to be lost. 
In Matthew, the 26th chapter, in verse 24, the Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good that that man, if he had not been born. And then in John 13 and verse 18, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Jesus there was referring to a prophecy that we find back in the 41st Psalm that said almost the same thing. But Jesus' betrayal not only was prophesied, but when Jesus talked about it, he added to that prophecy. That's where he said it would have been good that the man, if he had not been born. And from that, I conclude that Jesus is saying, this man lost his soul. So lesson number one for us from Judas Iscariot, I propose that those who are at one time safely in the arms of Jesus can turn on him and be lost. You know, Jesus taught this in the parable of the sower. Three of the individuals that he talks about are people that took the word and became Christians or, or became followers or of the word, and yet two of the three did not hang in there. They, like Judas, turned from Jesus. Some of them because they gave in to persecutions or others left for personal pleasure. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice How could he go from not being, uh, or from being handpicked to being a betrayer of Jesus? Thank you, Rick. I appreciate you telling me that. Well, there is a warning that we find in First Peter. He said, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil." walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I think we have some clues here because over in uh, Luke the 22nd chapter and the chief priest and the scribes sought how they might kill him for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. 
You know, there were doors that Judas left open for Satan. You know, when you think about that line that is going about, or, or think about Satan going about like a roaring line, from what I've heard, it's really easy for the line to find a sick animal or a hurt animal and then pounce on that and that becomes their lunch. Well, sometimes if we leave a door open for Satan, it's going to be a lot easier for Satan to come in and infiltrate our life. And Judas, one of the doors that he left open was the fact that he was not a man of integrity. We saw that when we looked at John the 12th chapter. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 pence or 300 denarii and given to the poor? And as John said, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he had used to take what was put into, what was put into that money box. So the door that he left open, he was not truthful in his comments. He's acting like he's all that concerned about the poor, but really John says he's not honest. And he stole from the apostles money. It wasn't, maybe it wasn't a lot of money, but the fact that he would steal for his own gain shows that he wasn't a person of integrity. And so the door is open and Satan has a possibility of coming in. And Judas also let his emotions take control. Jesus' feet were anointed uh, by Mary six days before the Passover in John chapter 12. And Judas's carrot was specifically chastised by Jesus for his comments there. And then Jesus' head was anointed in Bethany two days before the Passover. And Jesus chastised those who criticized the woman. And Judas was in the group that got chastised there. Just as a side thing. When the Passover lamb was taken, it was taken several days before the Passover. And the first thing that they did was they inspected the Passover lamb. They anointed the feet of the Passover lamb. Four days later, when they verified that everything was okay and this, was, this sacrifice was okay for the Passover, they anointed the head of the lamb. I don't know if you've ever noticed the significance of Jesus anointing his feet six days before Passover and his head two days before Passover. He's our Passover lamb. Let's just look at, at, the, at what happened there. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil, of spikenard anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said... Why hast thou 
Why was this fragrant oil? And we've read about that before. So here he is, he's, he's saying all of that. But Jesus said, let her alone, and she has kept this for the day of, his, of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. This was at the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and it was six days before the Passover. In Matthew, the 26th chapter, you know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and scribes and the elders and the people assembled at the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask and very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. But you have the poor with you always. But me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say unto you, Wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Now notice this next verse. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest. You know, I, I would think that he is reacting emotionally. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. As uh, We need to be careful that our actions are not, that we don't give in to our emotions. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But Judas, you know, another door that Judas left open was he stopped calling Jesus Lord. Uh, in Matthew, the 26th chapter, now, as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say unto you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said unto him, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said unto him, You have said it. Now, don't you just notice that when their group is talking, they're calling Jesus Lord. But when Judas is carried, talks to Jesus, he doesn't call him Lord, he calls him Rabbi. And we're going to see it at the betrayal itself, he once again calls him Rabbi. 
I don't know if this was coincidental, but it just jumped out at me that it was different. You know? So lesson number two, do not leave the door open for Satan. Like Judas's carrot did. He had a lapse of integrity. He took money from the treasury and was dishonest. And he was controlled by his emotions. He couldn't handle the chastisement of Jesus and he stopped calling Jesus Lord. So really this is probably more than one lesson. So lesson three is don't let your emotions override your good judgment. How much you seen people who did things that you just really wish they wouldn't have done because they got mad? Uh, I have known people that just stopped coming to church because they got mad at something that went on or got mad at something somebody said. Do you ever think that people that are doing that are doing exactly the same thing that Judas did when he left the chastisement of Jesus and ran off to the priest? Ephesians 4 in verses 26 and 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. I was saying, don't leave a door open for the devil. And our, if we let our emotions take control, it's an opportunity for the devil to step in. And number four, never, never, never stop letting Jesus be the Lord of your life. You know, Judas Judas's chariot stopped calling Jesus Lord, and look where it led him. I'm reminded of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith we don't need to take our eyes off of Jesus obviously Judas's chariot stopped calling Jesus Lord and it impacted his eternal well-being in John, the 13th chapter, we're going to look some now at the situation that is, Judas has such a reputation for. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, and supper being ended, the devil being already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garment, took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Jesus told us we're supposed to love our enemies. You know, Jesus had to know what situation was in the heart of Judas's chariot, and yet he is willing 
to humble himself and wash Judas's carrot's feet. In Matthew 26, beginning in verse 20, when evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say unto you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and, and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, You have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood and the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So Judas is there at the institution of the Lord's Supper. I'm reminded of what we read a lot of times before we do the Lord's Supper here. And, and we talk about how Paul talked about what Jesus had said about people who partake of it unworthily. I just wonder if Jesus, when he was saying that, was thinking about how Judas was when the Lord's Supper was instituted. In Luke, the 22nd chapter, likewise, he also took the cup, and after the cup, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is shed for many. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. This is why I say that he was at the institution of the Lord's Supper because Luke's account has Jesus making this comment. And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man in whom he is betrayed. We're going to look at the scriptures now that deal with Judas actually betraying Jesus. In John's account, Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him, and Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said it to them. For some thought, because Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the bread, piece of bread, he went out immediately, and it was night. Jesus said, what you do, do quickly. I'm reminded of what was said to the church in Laodicea. And I think it might give us some insight into what Jesus is thinking because you know, to the church in Laodicea, I know your works that you are neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were cold or hot, but then 
because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Here you've got Judas is chariot there with the rest of the apostles, and he's acting like everything is okay and saying, Lord, is it I? And, and what you see is it's making Jesus sick at his stomach. And he's saying, whatever you're going to do, go do it quickly. In Mark, the 14th chapter, beginning in verse 42, Jesus has just prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. In Mark's account, now his betrayer had given them a signal saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him, and lead him away safely. And as soon as he had come, immediately went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. Then they laid their hands on him and took him. In John the 18th chapter, Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priest and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Judas's carrot's involvement was not passive. He is in control of this situation. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, and went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to him, I am he. And Judas, was betray who betrayed him, also stood with them. In Luke, the 22nd chapter, And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before him and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? That's all the Bible has to say about what Judas did in, while betraying Jesus. But then we have some account of what happened after that. In Matthew, the 27th chapter, Then Judas, being betrayed, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful, and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priest and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he drew down the, threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. They consulted together and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Over in Acts, the first chapter, when the 11 apostles were talking about replacing Judas, they, they also referenced his death. He said, men and brethren, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before the mouth of David concerning Judas, 
who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem, so that the field is called in their own language, Akel Dama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. So I would suggest to you that lesson number five from studying Judas Iscariot is that depression and remorse and regret by itself is not enough to get God's forgiveness. Judas knew he had done wrong. He said that to the priest. But Judas, unlike Peter, did not bring works worthy of repentance. Peter returned to serve Jesus. I guess the bottom line is that suicide is not the answer to depression. That term, works or fruit worthy of repentance, was used by John the Baptist in talking to the Pharisees where he, in Matthew the third chapter in verse 8, told them to bear fruits worthy of repentance. And when Paul was talking to Agrippa about what he had done, he said, Then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting of repentance. So when you think about Judas, Judas felt bad about what he had done. He obviously had seen Jesus escape from tough situations many times before. And this time he is uh, convicted and he's going to be taken and crucified. He's obviously, I think he was surprised. Certainly he felt bad, you know, throwing the money down in the temple uh, before the priest. And he know he felt bad because he went out and he committed suicide. But it was not the answer. And as Jesus said, it would have been better if this man had never been born. I hope some of these lessons learned, and maybe you've got your own, that you could add to this. We have a lot of account of what happened with Judas's carrot, and I think it's there for our learning. May God bless the study of his word. In just a moment, we're going to dismiss parents to go pick up their children, and then, as Ken usually says, 15 or 20 seconds after that, the rest of us will be dismissed. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we know that you're all-powerful. We're so thankful for your word. We're thankful, Father, that you told us the good and the bad about Judas Iscariot. We know you did that for a reason, and we pray that the lessons that we have gleaned from the study about him 
are appropriate and that we would incorporate them into our own lives so that we stay faithful to you from now to eternity. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.